is the Oil Country Podcast. Presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Hello, 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 Oilers fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Oil Country Podcast. Kyle, I love the raise the roof during the intro. Just got to shout out there. Always, man. That song is fire. <laughs> How are you fire. doing, man? Well, uh, there's four of us in this uh in this episode, everybody, so we're going to do a little bit of a round table, but we'll start with you, Kyle. How are you doing, man? Uh, you know, good as can be. <laughs> Waiting for the next season to start, just listening to the rumor mill like I think uh, most other fans are. Occupying my time with uh, Formula One and some football, but uh, but yeah, just chilling, dude. How you been? I'm, I've been good, man. I've been busy at work and grateful to be working still, but a little bit worn down and getting some days off here, which is huge, so... We'll bring in our third host, Michael Farley. How are you doing, man? Uh, I'm I'm doing all right, boys. Uh, uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a busy week, but I'm excited to sit down, talk about some hockey, and uh, honestly, just playing a lot of NHL 21. I broke down and bought it, so we'll see how it goes. I think Kyle did as well, man. This is my first year. I bought that game for like 15 years. This is going to turn into a rant, but I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to catch myself, but I finally didn't buy it this year, but is it, is it good? Is it, does it actually like, no, have no, a substantial no. So, okay. So, no? so here's, here's my take on it. All right. So first of all, I, uh, I got my security deposit back from my other apartment. Okay. And so the next logical thing was, well, I have all this extra money now, <laughs> NHL 21, obviously. So then I was like, well, if I'm going to buy it, I will attempt to play hockey ultimate team. So I bought, went down and I broke down. And I bought the most expensive version because I want the best players to win. Yeah. That's the way that is the way hut is. Hut has not changed. If you're playing hut, it is the rat race for your wallet. The same. However, and I mean, if I were to guess, you still had money left over from that deposit to spend on more packs, too. So uh, there you go. If you started just a couple, just a couple, just a couple. You're trying to get your team off yeah, the ground. Right, too. Like, you, you get that Christmas like bonus pack, bucks. you know, little things. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. And so then, uh, so then you know, um, but they also did a huge update to Be a Pro. And Be a Pro was one of my favorite um, versions back in, like, NHL 16 when I was, like, a teenager and I love to play that. And then they sort of got away from it and it was just, it was very the boring and they took out all of like the, the player interactions and stuff like that. So they've re-added all of it, but they've like updated it to the new look like the new NHL 21 style. So it's like, you know, you're getting like texts from your agent and then there's like doing like close-up shots of you while you're talking to reporters. And then depending on how you answer questions and how level of like your persuasion or charm skills are like, skills are and stuff like that is like what how hard and like what like challenges there are for you in in the next game so like if you like sit down you're like i'm the best player of all time then in the next game they're like all right three points let's see it and then if you don't (laughs) do it then like your likability and brand level and all that stuff so they like re like vamped all of that which was amazing the ai is better defensively is still really bad offensively, especially if you're only controlling one player. But they're better defensively if you're controlling your whole team, which is nice when you're playing against your friends. Okay, you're you're talking my my style here because that that's something I've been just praying for. I mean, the biggest thing that I've always played is franchise mode and be a pro. I, I fell into the hot trap multiple times. Don't get me wrong, but that's exciting to see that they're at least trying to add something other it's- than just hot year over year over year. Not it's to an start, improvement not... for sure, John, but like it, it's still be a broke grind. Like it, it, the the yeah. overlook of it is better, but like every single game you go up and your coach asks you like play better defensively or score a goal. It's two options, and you have to do it. And then like it's the same risk reward every time, you know. And like, yeah, like it does have is, better things. Like a... you get a salary, you can spend money on like perks that upgrade yourself. Like you can buy a house that gives you better defense like whatever right but like it's at least nice that they put some time into it and i spent money on hut like anybody else too i'm part of the problem i put 50 bucks into packs there um but uh but the game itself when you play es eashl the like 6v6 because that's the only reason i get it i play yeah that's what you're into yeah and like that is 
it it's good. It's probably the best it's been hockey wise. It doesn't feel so arcadey anymore. It's definitely you have to use real hockey IQ and make plays and actually cycle the puck with your teammates. It's no longer just like force, 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 and snipe glitch goals. Those of yeah. course still there, but I, don't I know love- it's a fucking shitty hockey game. Like I wish there was more competition, dude. Fucking- <laughs> I love that you could buy a house that just makes you better at defense. Like, oh, can, dude, it's can so we fun. buy you those buy, houses like, a sports for the car Oilers, and you please? get like plus twelve speed? You're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, okay. but, but but if you buy like if you buy like a really expensive like luxury car, it like boosts your speed, but like it drops your like defensive awareness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's funny, dude. I mean, I that's usually that what I'm looking at when I'm buying sports cars too is like when i'm talking to the dealer i'm saying like how is this going to affect my defensive positioning when i'm playing beer league hockey tonight <laughs> that is really the most my zero to part. 60 time like how are, we, yeah. how are we doing here on foot you know some <laughs> nice tires on this thing if i switch to winter tires is that going to get my acceleration up like they're going to point or two <laughs> yeah okay the, I don't the know. fourth just... voice on our podcast today is dobko dobko how are you doing oh, man hi. enough enough nhl talks all right we've been getting sidetracked already how are you doing <laughs> Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me, fellas. Um, to to piggyback on the NHL talk, actually, to keep this right where we are. Um, <laughs> man, the biggest issue with that game is the fact that literally every other sports game lets you do an online franchise of some sort. And NHL did it for one year, and then they're like, ah, nah. Well, you know, can we get it back? Well, like, but 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 Hut, you guys play Hut? Like, well, no, online franchise. But you, have you seen Hut though? you can buy stuff like that's all i see ea doing and like until they actually like figure it out like i'm not gonna buy another nhl game i bought the one with connor mcdavid on the cover just because and the thing that baffles me too is that you don't have any roster sharing like they're they put out rosters exactly six seven times a year and it's like the trade deadline happens and on any other game there's guys that are devoted to that community of updating the whole any or like nfl roster or fifa roster or whatever and actually i don't know if fifa has it but anyways Probably. A lot of games do, and they've just been like so adamant that they will not do that with NHL. But I think that's because they know a lot of their user base is buying the game year after year for those roster updates. I'm just sick of that game being like year after year being the same shit on all of them. And the NHL series always has the excuse of it's a small development team. It's a multi-billion dollar fucking company that makes that game. Like if yeah. you can't create a game that's worth playing when you're making billions of dollars, just don't make the fucking game. I'd rather I'll go play football. Like if you can't make a good game, like it's stupid. dude. Yeah. Or at least like, well, it's open like it up so to that, to that thing, to, to that statement, it's, well, we have a small development team. How much money do you make? On That's what game? I'm saying. Like on hut, how much money are you making? Like I paid for a fucking employee. Like, let's go. <laughs> don't, don't tell me that you can't scoop out a couple hundred thousand out of like the CEO's bonus pot. Like you could find the money to make it work. Your business, like, that's the biggest well, load and, of shit and, excuse. It's it's literally just like they're telling the masses, keep playing hut because we're making so much money off it. There's no point in us doing anything else. To relate it to real world sports as well, right? I, I find it quite funny. And I guess it's probably a bit of the the old mentality still in sports that is taking over management and stuff. But I know a lot of people that have become fans of the UFC, um, the NFL, F- uh, Formula One, anything, right? By playing the game version and learning the rules and the players and taking over a team in franchise mode and knowing the fourth line players instead of just the stars on the, in the team, right? Like there's a lot of potential that the actual leagues should be looking into and investing into that. Like that's very obviously the way that kids spend their time in entertainment now. Like why would you not push to get some sort of relation between real world sports and that, which there is like inkling of it, but It'd be nice to see like the NHL like actually push out a good game because you'd probably get more fans from it. For sure, especially in that younger generation. I mean, like I, I remember um I've got a buddy, an old coworker that I'm still friends with. And like Michael, he's a big soccer fan and he, he's a Aston Villa guy. But anyways, he was trying to explain the like relegation stuff to me. And I'm like, oh no, I know that how that works. And he's like, Oh, I didn't know you watch soccer. And I was like, I don't. I don't. I, I've played FIFA for the last like 10 years because it's a great game. I mean, I know like diehard soccer fans probably have the same complaints about FIFA as we do about hockey games, but Michael's nodding his head. So I'll take I'm that as a yes. Start. I'm um, not going to start. We've, already, we, we've got too much video game talk already. I'm yeah, not going to start on you. FIFA. <laughs> okay. Let's, uh, 
But yeah, I, I think like to wrap that point up though, I think you hit it right on the head, Cal, where like this game is trying to grow and hockey is such a wild sport to begin with that you could really get the next generation really into it by by improving that NHL game. And I think it already works like that to a point, but they definitely an area for improvement. Well, man, um, I dream like you look at Fall Guys or any other free game that comes out and gets streamer success. Like if like put out a free game, put out like marketing behind it and i guarantee like it'll become popular and you'll get more fans it'll replicate the millions and billions of dollars in revenue in the future right yeah. buying merchandise and tickets get, get, get the younger people into it i mean yeah. it, it makes sense to me but i'm not yeah. some ceo of ea or nhl unfortunately so um let's anyways let's get into the oilers talk here on today's episode we're gonna dive into the chris russell extension talk about the mike smith and russell extensions a little bit and then do some cleft bomb conversation as well. Hang tight, everybody. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna go to you first, Michael, because I know this is a this is a hot topic for you. And I, I'm just we've all been chomping at the bit to hear what you have to say. So Chris Russell was signed to an extension, one year, 1.25 million. Um, he does fit the exposure requirements for the Oilers for the de- for defense in the Seattle expansion draft. Um that is also just for anyone listening that might not be uh, as knowledgeable, I guess, for the contract. So he will make $4 million this year. That contract was already signed. This extension is for an additional season after this upcoming one. But Michael, what's what's your take here? Let's, uh, let's talk about this Russell extension. So my first question is, Seattle will be joining the league after this upcoming season, correct? Yes. So... The season where Chris, this coming season, I already knew Chris Russell was going to be on the team. He's making $4 million. Now, this season ends, and the upcoming season when he's making 1.25, he could potentially be drafted or taken by Seattle, saving us from losing someone actually important, potentially, correct? Right. That's I mean, what. Un- unlikely, but if there's a better player available, but yes, yes. That's a good way to put it. Um, if that is what happens, if then it's a brilliant plan and I will suck up having Chris Russell on the team for this one more season. If not, I have pulled up some of Chris Russell's advanced stats. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> um, Here we go. <laughs> well, so first, first, let's just talk about points. He played 55 games last season. He had eight assists. No goals, eight assists. He's he's not there to score goals. I think yeah, we can I was all agree say, let, job let, has never been to score goals. That, Ever. Not once. Fair. Fair. However, he he also has been going down in his Corsi four percentage every season since uh 2014-15. He uh he started at a he he was faltering around like a minus two and then he, he dropped down to in 2015-16 he dropped down to a zero negative 0.3 and after last season he was a negative 4.7 Corsi just the the dude is there to block shots but it means he's always in the defensive zone and he's not very fast and I can he really pass the puck because every time he does it he's just really up and out of the zone. I Yeah, it's off the so, glass. Yeah, yeah, it's it's up and out. So and we're, so we're we're losing possession and probably 8 of his assists were him going up and out and then McDavid and Drysaddle just passing between the two of them up the ice through everyone and then scoring themselves and him getting the secondary assist somehow. Like but I will I will suck it up if Seattle will be gracious enough to take him. I mean, oh yeah, let let's back up. First off, I think there's no way Seattle takes him. <laughs> I mean, unless there's literally just no solid younger players available, <laughs> I don't think there's any way Seattle takes him. But you you pointed out what Russell does poorly, and I, I think most Oilers fans are on the same page with you on that. But let's talk about what he does well. I mean, and and sorry, I'm going to back up from that point for a second. Michael's scratching his head. Is Chris Russell a $1.25 million defenseman right now. Like if he didn't make $4 million, would you be upset that he was an oiler at 1.25, Michael? I think. (laughs) 
That's a yes. That's a no. That's a no. That's that's a no. He wouldn't be upset because this all comes down to money. This is the Sean Horkoff argument all over again. Redress. But you also got to look at like what other people have been signing for. Like the Leafs were able to sign Travis Dermott. I would much rather have Travis Dermott over Chris Russell at under a million dollars, under nine hundred. Yeah, so, but freaking Toronto didn't have Peter Shirelli calling the shots. We got to deal with what we have here. Like, he's the one who threw out four by four with no movement to Chris Russell. Okay, so then, but then why the extension at one point two five? Because he's an NHL quality player who's going to play in your bottom in your bottom pairing. Who, if he stays healthy, could play eighty two minutes of night in the NHL. Play on your penalty kill. He's going to by a mile lead the league in blocked shots, which means less to your net, which we can all agree the Oilers already have questionable goaltending. And you complain that he gets the puck up and out. The amount of times I sat as an Oiler fan and watched the other teams cycle the living hell out of the puck and then have a three-minute shift at our end and score versus Chris Russell getting the puck down, everyone changes, and they still have possession, sure. But that's a safe hockey play. You guys don't give up a goal, which the old regime, these are the problems that we sat through when we were just terrible. No veteran defenseman who can just play in the NHL for 80 games a year. He's that at $1 million. I don't know who you can like, it's not so easily replaceable. I have no issue. The cap is going to screw us. Like, I think he's a a fantastic five, six defenseman on our team. That could easily slot into a seventh man if we have the the youth come up, right? And and his defensive responsibilities that he does in our end, it, it's worth that contract to me. Like, no, it's not worth the four million. I understand the hate for him for that. Of course, we've gone through that a million times on this show. But uh, but yeah, and and definitely too. Like, he's not there for the offensive upside. He's there for like Dobko just went through, like the shot blocks, the the PK, the the like you said the up and out getting just fresh bodies on the ice like yeah i mean that's kind of what you expect from a bottom pairing defense you you're hoping that your top four are on the ice the majority of the time when you're in the offensive zone so, I, I think the <clears throat> the pk is the biggest thing that you just brought up there kyle for me like when you're looking at what chris russell brings he's a solid penalty killer and i mean i'm not even so much like Everybody talks about his block shots because that's like the easy stat to pull that he's leading in, right? And I honestly like my my personal take is that I think the Oilers at times in certain situations block too many shots where that might not be the best defensive play. That might be a whole different conversation, but that's just my personal opinion on it. I think the biggest thing is like Holland's trying to do his work early where like like the other two guys said, and you have you have an NHL caliber defenseman. And he's making too much money right now, but he's a number six guy in the NHL on average. I'm, I'm fairly confident in that. He's, he's not a perfect defenseman by any means, but adding that leadership on the back half of your, of your lineup on D, I don't really have a huge issue with it. Now, you bring up Dermot, so, and that's kind of bringing into the, like, Mike Smith is in the similar boat. So I think we can all agree if, if Russell could have signed for less, that would have been better. And he's just above that variable range where I believe like 90% of his contract is variable. It'd be like 75,000 left if we sent him down to the AHL of a cap hit. But right now, Holland's trying to get his work done early and make sure that we meet the exposure requirements for the expansion draft. So what is, why does Chris Russell sign a 700 or an $800,000 contract right now? Why? Yeah. Like, why would he sign an extension for $800,000? I think it's just that, like, my point is, is like, there's a little bit of give and take in that situation. I think that's what happened. You also, you also bring up signing Travis Dermott and you're saying that he's at 700,000. He's also 23 years old. Yeah. I was about to say that too. Like there's veteran kind of respect that's given to Chris Russell too, which I mean, the guys earned it throughout his career. And I don't think that that like that $300,000 is going to affect I think there's bigger issues with the Oilers cap management than Chris Russell Mm -hmm. and even his $4 million contract. Like the, this year the cap is what it is. And I think we can all kind of see like how it's going to shape out. But um, when it comes to like next season, when we get a ton of money off the books, like we have no idea what's going to happen with Clef bomb or, or how like our Broberg Bouchard or any of these guys ever going to develop like, 
maybe they all do maybe none of them do it's still too early to tell like at least you you know that you have chris russell and you know that you have an nhl spot filled at one million dollars anywhere in your lineup that's that's okay we don't want to gang up on you, Michael, because I think the the biggest thing from my side is, even though there's three of us arguing against that, I know there's a ton of Oilers fans that were not happy about that contract extension. So I don't think you're alone by any sense in there. So I, I want to, you know, if you have a rebuttal there, and I mean, this might be a situation where we can literally just agree to disagree, because I mean, Russell in, in Oiler, oil country is a polarizing player the last couple of years. And I think I think you're probably right on the agree to disagree because I think if if you guys are confidently putting Chris Russell in your lineup for 82 games, if he's healthy, your team is worse because of it. And and I that and I that's just like that's just so, my. Opinion. So who I, else? So who else do I put there? I think there are other options around the league, and like you said, there there are like that's the thing I didn't understand the extension is like, we don't know what's going to happen with Clefbaum or, or what any of that money is going to look like. Like I was expecting him to be traded off the team for cap space. And so now I understand, you know, with the potential loss of Clefbaum there, like there's obviously some holes on, on the defense, but like, I think there was a little bit more time. You could have waited, looked for potential trade, but like Sammy Votnin is still on the market. Right. Because I think he went to market expecting a lot of money and no one wants to offer him that money. And especially if we do lose Clefbaum, we can go in, maybe look for something like that. Like, I just think there was better options than just committing like the extra year. And like I said, I think if if Russell's in your lineup, 82 games, I'm listen, if I'm a coach and I have Russell on my like on my roster, I'm playing him like maybe half if I have to play him more because of injury fine, but like, I'm not giving him the whole season. So you're saying that no. I think that's a reasonable argument as well, where why now for the extension? Yeah. That- it just, it's just, it just seemed a little early. There's a lot of still things up in the air to like, I, you don't need to commit that soon. I mean, do you think in any way that that, could help with a trade talk though too like now you have a defenseman that is extended at a lower cap hit we know his money right now is is more in cap than actual paid out right so does that potentially help with the movement maybe and that's why that signing was done listen holland could be playing three-dimensional chess on me he's the 500d chess guy right? you know what i'm saying so like (laughs) so like we could all be here squabbling about this and then he he pulls the move of the century and (laughs) we we all look stupid so who knows in that regard right i do think i was completely on board with your with your opinion there of i thought russell was going to be traded this summer and i thought he should have been it's all like and i think that was the plan this is just my my thought but I think that was the plan. And then the flat cap completely screwed that. And it's just like, it, it turned into a situation where 90% of the teams in the NHL are looking for money in money out deals. And the teams that are taking on cap space are looking for assets in return. And it just, it screwed us. Like I, I think it put Holland in a really tough position in, in multiple ways. And I mean, not just him, every GM in the league got put in a tough position, but I think especially with Chris Russell, it went from, Oh, okay, one year left. He's making 1.5. Some team that wants a higher cap hit, paying less money, they'll take a serviceable veteran defenseman on. And then it went from that to nope, you're you're dropping an asset to get rid of this guy. I think um, Chris Russell's contract is not exactly the contract albatross on our roster. Like I still you still like for all the arguing that goes about, you still get 60 games as at a defenseman out of that four million dollars, whatever. But like, there's money around our roster all over the place that is well wasted. Worse. Well, than for one, two, I know John wants to talk about it, right? The the Smith signing, right? I think like there's more money that was spent there than like the comparison of of Dermot and Chris Russell, right? Like, it, like you said, I think there's a lot of like those five hundred thousand, two hundred fifty thousand dollars savings that could have went throughout this roster. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, yeah. Right. For sure. That that we wouldn't even be talking about this situation now. Um. Yeah, so John, I know you wanted to talk about Smith. Sorry that I kind of cut No, 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 that's okay. And I honestly, like, I think that's the biggest thing when you look at the contract buildup of this team is like, we really, like, you could say Neil 
is substantially overpaid. I mean, I know he scored nearly 20 goals this year, but like for what we're expecting production wise, he's probably making way too much money, but we all, know again, that wasn't the reason there. for him being on this team though. That was a win sure. getting him here. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. It was just a dumb blue cheat and I'm fine with Neil, <laughs> but it's like, you look down the roster and it's like, you have so many guys that are making that, you know, 250 to 750,000 too much. And I mean, this isn't really a dig. And I mean, I know Spence or Dobko is a big, uh, um, sorry, <laughs> there's a lot of, I, I know you're a big, um, Cassian guy as am I. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure the other, uh, Kyle and mm-hmm. Michael are big fans as well, but I mean, the timing of that in hindsight is really unfortunate because I mean, there's no way Cassian gets the number and the term he gets in a flat cap world, but he signed literally what? Like a month to some, a month like, before. Yeah. Yeah. And all those well, contracts that were signed after in the big year. And, and even when that was signed too, that was also a contract that we were looking at immediately and being like, if he can play on McDavid's wing, then I guess it's okay. But otherwise he's a bottom six guy, like and third line struggling like, sometimes there. Like And Cassian, when he's on, brings a lot to the Oilers. And I mean, as far mm-hmm. as that grit, and I think he seems like probably a guy that's fairly important in that locker room as well, as far as being a glue guy. And I understand that that has value. But yeah, I mean it's just one of those things that, I mean, uh, that contract's not looking great right now. And I mean, I, ho- I really hope he can bounce back next year. There's actually a ton of those contracts around the league. Like For sure. if you look at it, all of the contracts that were signed, like right around that time last year, all look bad because no yeah. one expected it. And For so sure. there are, there are a ton of teams that are now all, all of a sudden being like, we could have got this guy for like $2 million less if we had waited two months. Yeah. I mean, and even look at like the trade deadline acquisitions, look at us with Athens CU. And I mean, I'm not even going to get into this because I know I'm a Stan, but <laughs> it like, that's something where Holland looked at that and was like, oh, we'll have the money to qualify him and Benning no problem whatsoever. And then all of a sudden, what, three weeks later, boom, huge pandemic, flat cap. I mean, it's a tough goddamn situation to find yourself in, but it's something that every GM's going to have to deal with. I mean, I'm not this isn't a pity party for Holland or really excusing things. It's just, he really had no control over that situation. So I know we've already kind of started this discussion, but like Kyle said, I do want to talk about Mike Smith again. And I know we talked about him a lot two weeks ago, but I've seen a lot of criticism from shit. There's flames media criticizing it, which is no surprising Oilers fans criticizing it, which we never agree on anything, which is not surprising, but when you look at that Smith and Russell contract, so those are happened post flat cap. Is it reasonable to say that Holland should have played hardball and tried to get those cap numbers down? Or do you think that that those price, like does that, is anyone not in agreement with that? I think that was him playing hardball. I think that was kind of like as good as you might get right now, unfortunately. As, I like, think with Russell, I agree. But yeah, with Smith, with I think Smith, easy saving 500k there. You probably could have pulled out. My, my biggest thing with Smith is so I'll, I'll sorry, I'll rephrase this question. Do you think Smith had other interests around the NHL? We'll start with you, no. Kyle. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, may I think maybe that again, it's one of those things. It's like there were a lot of goalies moved around and stuff like that, so like. I'm sure he maybe had a couple of phone calls from some of the other teams that were looking to fill holes as, as their guys dropped off the board. Right. I mean, like just think how hard the Oilers started pivoting as soon as they lost Markstrom and stuff like that. They were like, it it was just, it was a weird market for goalies. So I'm sure he got a few calls, but like probably not anything like super ambitious or anything like that. I think the most he was probably getting offered was a one to one point two million dollar contract anywhere else. And after we lost Markstrom, we tied him up at a one point five because we knew that was probably more than he's going to get anywhere. And we had to have confidence in our net this year. And realistically, I mean, we thought last year that the goaltending was going to be a huge issue, and it it wasn't. They played stronger than they're showing. And they're expecting. But I mean, yeah. again, like that's going to be something that we're worried about again this year. But it and hurt us in the. I'd say better. it hurt us in the. In the in the playoffs for sure. In the playoffs, yeah. though. but I mean, there was a lot of issues that hurt us in the playoffs. Yeah, too. goaltending uh-huh. definitely was a huge one for sure. But uh, but yeah, man. I mean, I, I'm sure they seen the amount of movement that was happening. Even though we signed Smith before, a lot of these goalies did get signed. I'm sure there's a lot of knowledge around the league about where players are going before that's officially coming out. Right? And like so. I said, like I said a couple of weeks ago, um, Smith as a backup playing 40 games, fine. 
uh, Smith as a Dave Tippett starter playing six, like, yeah. you know, like, like 55, 60 less. Okay. Yeah. A lot of our, our worry with Smith comes back to our conversation two weeks ago too, right? Like that is a lot of the issue is that it's Dave Tippett's, you know, that's his that's boy. boy. That's his boy. Yeah. He lived and loved the guy in and Arizona like, and then comes up here and fucking, I mean, puts him in first game in the, the play and like, it's insane. And that's just, that's the worry with it again. Like any other goal, you're probably I, confident that he's playing 30 games. Sorry, Delco. See, my, my thing with Dave Tippett is like, can you blame him, first of all, for wanting to put Mike Smith in when for about a decade, all he's seen Smith do in those situations is respond beautifully. So can you blame him? No, I would do the same thing if I'm in Dave Tippett's shoes. You know I, Smith better. My understanding is that he has like quite, he's quite the fiery leader in the locker room. So, I mean, again, that's going to cost a bit. 1.5, I don't, I'm not super upset with him at 1.5 because, like, you look around the league and there's, like, goes back to my Chris Russell thing. Like, give me other options of what we could have done. Who could we have gotten for cheaper that's equivalent to him ability-wise? Like, they signed Forsberg to be our number three. That shows me how little trust they have in any of these younger guys, the Dylan Wells or Skinner coming up to even take – Oh, they got no faith in our goaltending coming up right now. Like, none. It's the the KHL kid. I forget the name off the top of my head. Kanovalov. Kanovalov. Yeah, like I'd I'd say that's probably our best bet. The Skinner's fucking. Oh my God, Wells. Who's the other one? The Rodrigue. Rodrigue. Yeah, fucking Rodrigue. I guess probably has a good shot. Dylan Wells, Olivier Rodrigue, Ilya Kanovalov, and then I think outside of those four, there's not anyone that's yeah. Even like Starrett would be fifth, but he's a lot older than those guys. Like a lot older. He's like 27 or 28. So. He's likely yeah. an AHO guy. And I mean, goalies are voodoo. Like any of those guys could turn into franchise goalies within the next like year or two. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think the big thing, and, and Dobko, you hit it right on the head there where you're saying who else, if not Smith. So ignoring the trade market, which based off air, the reason I'm doing that is Arizona's ask for Kemper is like a first round pick. And I'm not giving up a first round pick for a goalie right now. And the other option that was rumored for the Oilers that they were looking at for Mike Smith was Ryan Miller. And they decided to go with what they knew. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm looking at that and like, I have no problem with Smith coming back. I think my thing is if there was an interest in contracts on the table for the rest of the team or for the rest of the league, I would have preferred that number to be a little bit lower, but it's not debilitating at this point, him dropping down to 1.2 doesn't allow Holland to make another big move this summer. It's not like it's stopping him from doing anything. Um, My only question with it, and I don't think it'll be a huge issue, but Smith getting a no movement clause. So correct me if I'm wrong, but that means that he can't be sent down without waiving that as well. So if he comes in and he's absolute trash, shows that he's not an NHL caliber goalie, you're kind of... A little bit hooped. Like you just hope he regains form and play Koskinen a little bit more. So, I mean, I think Smith played well enough this year to earn a 1B spot again. So I'm not going to, I don't know. We like to nitpick contracts and I'm not going to stop doing that. But I think that it's fair to say that's kind of what we're doing here. So let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. But first we are going to play the Europuck promo here. Stay tuned, everybody. Hello, bonjour, hello, hi, heya, and previet, hockey fans. Welcome to the Europuck Podcast, the show where two Brits talk all things European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. If you want to keep updated on all of the latest news, scores, or standings from across the European hockey world, you want to get some insight from some very interesting guests discussing their stories with hockey and how the sport grows around in Europe in different interesting places, or if you want to keep updated with all of the leagues across Europe that are either playing, have been suspended, cancelled, delayed indefinitely, then do check out our latest episodes of the Europuck podcast every Friday as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We have a YouTube channel, the Europuck Podcast, and you can listen to us wherever else you get your podcasts. So check us out every Fridays and we'll see you there, folks. Man, something about Odd Man Rush's voice, just like that British accent, just 
just so soothing. I loved his intro of using all the different hellos too. I don't know. It's just me. Maybe I'm biased. Odd Man Rush has been a, a good guy for the network, but check that one out, everybody. Um, we've kind of alluded to it throughout this episode, but let's talk about Clef Bomb a little bit. So Oilers now um, with Stoffer, Holland was on there and he said he's planning to not have Clef Bomb available for the full season. But nothing is confirmed at this point. Obviously, he's still, last I had heard, unless anyone has any updates is that he's still undergoing daily treatment and weighing his options as far as surgery or anything like that. So the reason I bring this up is the expansion rules. We've talked a lot or a fair amount about that with, with Russell and everything as well, but players with a potential career ending injury who have missed the previous 60 plus consecutive games due to an injury do not meet the criteria set forth by, by the league in respect to the minimum exposure requirements for players. And in certain cases, these players may even be deemed as exempt. So that's kind of like, it's great news, but there's a lot of wording in there where they kind of go case by case. So the other thing is with the 60 plus game requirement, what if the league doesn't play 60 games this year? You've got to imagine that they adjust that a little bit, but Best case scenario for the Oilers is that Clefbaum, if sorry, if Clefbaum's out long term, best case scenario is that he comes back healthy and he's a number one D man, but that doesn't appear to be the case. Second best case scenario is that he becomes exempt. And the biggest thing for anyone listening in, in, on my side is it allows them to protect Nurse Bear and Jones while still protecting seven forwards. So where where are we at here? Like, is that a realistic chance or do you guys think we're out to lunch as far as hoping that he's going to be exempt well we'll go to you kyle first sorry i keep i don't think that you're out to lunch at all i just hope that the league takes a 75 percent rule if they're gonna shorten the season if it's 60 games to qualify out of 82 then take you know 25 percent off whatever the limited games is that makes sense and Um, i think they've they've sorry to interrupt but i i think they've you've already seen they have made adjustments for instance mm -hmm. with like the neo lucic condition right where they're like Okay, I'm sure they will. Like they, this. that's all part yeah. of the the deal, right? When you shorten the season, um, for Clefbaum, of course, I want him uh, if he's healthy and able to play. His contract is a sweetheart contract that, it, of course, is coming to the end of it. But we still want to reap the benefits of having him on our team, especially in this era. Um, my my real worry is this is this is going to be if he goes for surgery. What is his fourth surgery? Right, like he had. His shoulder done in the SHL, his Wrist. finger done once, and then his shoulder done again just like a year and a half ago, right? Um, I mean, like he he also sat out last year for a couple of weeks in February for undisclosed injury, which chances are was his shoulder giving him trouble too. Also a report <sighs> I mean, coming out that it might potentially be arthritic. Exactly, which I, I, I mean, people... I'm trying to think of the NFL player. There's some running back that that people on Reddit I was watching a comparison to saying like, well, he's had a great career after he, you know, got diagnosed with an arthritic knee. And people were showing his stats. And it's like, absolutely, absolutely not. I wish I could remember the name. I'm sorry. That Is I'm that Gary Peterson, Donko? Shit, but, you know him? Donko? Todd Gurley. Todd yeah. Gurley. And his his yards have dropped like in half. The fucking to, like he's he's brutal be, now. Like yeah. He's a serviceable fair, running back, but to be to be fair, as a big NFL guy myself, his like big number years were like really, really big number years. So they're gonna look a little skewed. But for sure. you're right, you're right. Yeah. He's coming back with an arthritic knee. He's not putting up the same numbers. He doesn't have the same burst. I think in the to I think it's a little different when it's an NFL running back's knee and it's a hockey player's shoulder where it's like we don't necessarily oh, need Clefbaum to have good shoulders. We need him to have good enough shoulders, but yeah. like yeah, I think it would be worse if it was a knee, honestly, too, three. right? But, like, yeah, it's uh, – I, I don't know, man. It's such a hard call, right? Like, it, you obviously are keeping him on contract. Like, that's not changing. He's not moving. He's on IR. So you're hoping that he comes back and can just perform next offseason, go through rigorous training and get back into game shape so that the following season he can live up to that contract. And then hopefully he stays a top four D-man that we can sign to an extension. Like, that's the best-case scenario, really, to me. Like, what are we going to get if we move him and he comes back and he's nothing, right? Like, it's it, I, I just yeah. so the the first thing I'll say, like, to answer John's question here is like, I don't think that they're going to exempt Oscar Clefbaum from the expansion draft if he misses the full season. 
if unless he's like delib like very vocally saying he's considering retirement, I don't see them exempting him because he's still like under thirty. He's still a man. If Oscar Clefbaum plays this year and they leave him unprotected, he obviously gets taken. So like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I'd be that's up in the air. That's more of a question of like when we come to it, let, let's figure that out. It's hard for me to just like generalize a year in advance like that with a draft. Like who knows who we bring in or move out. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and to, to carry on, I, if I'm Ken Holland personally, after this, like I'm pretty ready to move on from Oscar Clefbaum. If I get like a reasonable trade market for him, if it comes and we just like play out the rest of his contract, I'm relatively comfortable letting him walk because as good as he can be when he's healthy, when is he ever healthy? He's played one full season. And other than that, he's missed more than 20 games every year, except one other than that. And I think the big thing there too is, is like when he's healthy, he plays like a number one D man, but he's either out a lot of the time or he's playing through stuff. And we all, we've all seen that he's, I mean, he's still a serviceable defenseman, but he's nowhere near the number one level we need him to be at when he's playing through shit. Michael, yeah, the, where are you his, his comfort level between like the, his, his drop in play from when he's comfortable to like fully healthy to even just when he's playing through like, and just uncomfortableness is so much different. Yeah. And it's it, the fact that the four of us can like sit here and very visually point out when he's hurt and dropping is not a good thing when you're looking at like guys who truly, truly know hockey compared to us, like what are they really seeing and comparing it? Like, and people on the inside of the organization, I mean, like how are they looking at that? Where, I mean, if I'm Ken Holland, look, look at the playing round. Like, like Kyle mentioned before, there was a ton of issues with the whole team. I'm not putting that on Clefbaum, but he was nowhere near the impact player we needed him to be. And, and that defensive leader. So obviously hindsight is 2020 in that situation, but looking back, it's like, why are you even like, why didn't they go off for surgery way earlier? That being said, obviously when the, when they were coming back, there was a lot of hype around the Oilers as kind of that dark horse contender. So I can understand Clefbaum where he's looking at that and being like, you know, I, I'm playing and I want to push for a Stanley cup. Oh, mm. could you imagine how the fan base would react if you told them right after COVID hit and the playoffs were then planned, even though like it's a tournament idea, but like nonetheless, your number one defenseman is not going to be in it because he's taking shoulder surgery now to help next season. Yeah. I mean, people will be especially with our fan base. Like (laughs) it doesn't matter if it helps next season. It's about the Stanley Cup now. Yeah. So that you're right. That is definitely a hindsight situation. I mean, I'm not saying that that that's. I know. And you said that too, but just uh, it would never, ever happen. It's tough. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is just like, it's it's so, when you're looking at the expansion draft and, and Dobko's right where it's very difficult to do a year out, especially with so much, so much up in the air with the NHL. But assuming they're re-signing Nuge, you, you're, if you have to go four defensemen protected, if Caleb Jones continues his development and they identify that they have to go there, you're looking at protecting McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nuge, and Yamamoto likely. So that's Pugliarvi, Benson and all of our veteran forwards that are exposed. I mean, you're losing a good player and I mean, who knows, maybe Pugliarvi comes back and he's still not ready and he has a full bust and it's, they take Griffin Reinhardt 2.0 from us, but a forward who knows, but it's a little bit worrisome for me to look at that and be like, that's going to be a tough decision depending on how this year goes. Scary, scary, scary stuff. (laughs) Um, I mean, there's a lot of potential too that comes in waiting to see what every other team is looking like they're exposing as well. There's a lot that goes into that expansion draft. It's unfair that Vegas doesn't get into it like we fucking already mentioned. You know what? Every other team has to lose some sort of good player because they weren't expecting another team to come in. So so can I pose a question to you guys then on the the cleft bomb front? Um, We obviously have signed Barry to a one-year deal in sort of a a show-me type deal. Oscar Clefbaum goes on LTIR, misses the majority of the season. Tyson Berry performs as we expect him to. Are you guys okay with management maybe pivoting and going Barry instead of Clefbaum? I mean, that really depends on his showing this year. I think it, I think it pushes Barry more into that kind of one slot with Larson that we talked about. It was two weeks ago. We talked about that, right? Like, 
I mean, I mean, it's Nurse and Bear, and probably those two. I, I like I, if he has a decent showing this year, you kind of have to fit him into your top four because if we don't have um, Clefbaum to to roll with, like, what are we gonna do? You know, and and if we have an extended period to talk to him about a contract before free agency hits next season, then I mean, you have to lock him up. Hopefully, I mean, people were hoping that Barry was going to come here five years ago now, four years ago, whatever. Like, he was the dream D-man to get with McDavid when we first got him. And now it's happened. So, like, if it does work out phenomenally, like, it potentially should, then fuck yeah, man. I'm, I'm more than happy taking him on. <laughs> uh, I would I would disagree with you, Kyle. I wouldn't want to move forward with Tyson Barry as a replacement for Clefbaum. And not for the lack of, like, ability necessarily number of reasons clefbaum is a left shot barry's a right shot clefbaum is way more of a defensive like like stable defenseman tyson barry is a borderline liability in his own zone he's not a guy you put on your top pairing and you certainly like dave tippett and ken holland have both many many times said how much they love playing right shot and left shot defensemen together yeah i just don't see tyson barry playing with adam larson at all if they do it'll be very very little i just like I just don't see it, and I just don't think if you're going to sign him long term, you're essentially taking away that spot from Evan Bouchard in a couple of years because he's that type of player that you can really only have one in your defense. Otherwise, you're just going to be Toronto and try to outscore your problems, and that's not going to work. One in your top. I mean, four agreed. And sure. our and our youth coming up are totally offensive D man, right? Broberg and Bouchard are both exactly that character. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I agreed. Uh, I, yeah, I I just don't know what we do with our veteran core to bring up those players. If we lose Clefbaum, if we lose Barry, we're obviously going to be signing somebody else too. I think you've you got to bring that, in that, that I mean, prospect. Yeah, cool. And at the time, at it's rid- too early to call right now. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. It's I think I think you look at the prospect pool, and year after year after year, as an Oilers fan, I've heard them say, "Well, maybe they move the first round pick. Maybe one of the years they finally do it and go out and get a guy because like." Clearly, we haven't been able to draft him. Or, yeah. like, with the exception of Chris Pronger, we haven't had one ever. So, And I'd be happy with that. I mean, I'd be happy with not taking either of them and finding a, like, defensive shutdown mm-hmm. top pairing that we could use reliably and then have our offensive defensemen fit into a, you know, top four, top six role and a power play specialist. Like, that's ideal, of course, right? Like, I mean, when, when you look at those really strong defenses of the of the past in this in this era of, like, San Jose... Nashville, they all have shutdown guys to cover for their mm-hmm. offensive guys. Like you look at Burns has who was it Vlasic, right? When they were like really clicking before Carlson got there. And it's like that's I don't think that Barry is on that level. And we might have brought this up two weeks ago, but it is one of those things that I mean, as these offensive guys push up and if they develop into that offensive juggernaut of a defenseman puck moving guy, you're likely going to need someone to cover for them unless you know best case scenario broberg or bouchard develop into that like alex petrangelo two-way guy which i mean that that's a bold expectation to have i'm not suggesting that that's that's about happen. the best you could ask for so i mean it's about as good as you can. i know yeah absolutely <laughs> i think i'm still torn on where they're gonna play barry like i think it's so tough because nurse and bear are, are such a good duo that they've proven over this year anyways. But I mean, and I don't think Barry is your number one guy, even if nurse can really cover for him. I, I think he fits better on the second or maybe even third pairing, depending on how many minutes they're going to give. And obviously he's going to get some power play time. Um, but it, it's, it's tough with Barry to, to answer your question, Michael. I mean, I think it's all going to come down to price as well as obviously fit. Like where you look at this year, if Barry can have that, you know, 60 plus year, at least prorated to 82 games. And he really adds that puck moving ability. It's, it's one of those things where he might very well price himself out, especially with the log jam we have. Now it comes back and on the right-hand side, Larson is also an unrestricted free agent next summer. It's one of those things where maybe he signs a reasonable price deal. I think Larson's obviously had some, you know, you watch him play and he can be an effective defenseman, but he still he still leads you wanting more at the end of the day. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him leave and then maybe that opens up for Barry, but that also doesn't help your defense. So, no, Ken Allen's got a bit of a juggling act to do moving forward with our defense. I think that's that's safe to say. The one thing 
that I, I'd like to point out is like you brought up San Jose and Nashville as like having these high offensive output defensemen. How many Stanley Cups those teams win? How many Cups yeah. Montreal win when P.K. Subban was their top tier guy? How many did Ottawa win when Eric Carlson was the top tier guy? We don't need – we have Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. I don't need our defense to score many points. We really, really could really be really good with five really definitive shutdown defensemen and, like, one offensive guy. Because we don't need our as much as we do need the puck out – yeah, we don't need our defense to necessarily be like driving the play in the offensive zone, but we definitely need puck moving defensemen on this yeah. team. Yeah, just look at yeah. look at all right. But, so but don't to, look don't look at San Jose and Nashville then as as it, look at the teams that were just playing in the Stanley Cup Finals, the teams that just did it right, Tampa and Dallas. Both of those were mobile defense. I think Tampa had maybe the slower defense because they they still had guys you know like they. They still had the uh, the uh, the other Shen, Luke Shen, and yeah. Bogosian, which aren't exactly your speediest to go guys. with McDonough and um, right. Oh but God, you've you've Hedman. you've you've got Hedman, McDonough, Sergachev. Um, uh, oh man, they uh, uh, Chernak's even a pretty solid puck moving defenseman as well. And then I mean, then you look at Dallas as well with you know you got Heiskin and Klingberg, Lindell, Alexiak, like. Hell, even look, they've got Andre Secker on their third pairing and and like he can still move a puck. That's yeah. depth. That's what we need, though, is like depth shutdown guys. Of all those guys you named, there's not one that's like an offensive dynamo defenseman. There's no Ryan Ellis or Eric Klingberg. Carlson. Like Klingberg, Klingberg is Klingberg that big of an offensive sorry, dynamo? I, I meant to say Heiskanen. Yeah. Michael's like and having an right now. I don't know enough about <laughs> Dallas's defensive and, depth clearly. That Devin is not an offensive defenseman. He's a two-way defenseman. He's like Alex Petrasso. He's not yeah, but I mean, he's a defenseman, but he still puts up 50 to 60 points a I, year. Like, I know, I know, I know. That doesn't mean he doesn't I, put up offense. That means I'm not classifying him as a, just an offensive defenseman. Where Tyson Berry is an offensive defenseman. Yeah. He gives you offense. Yeah. Alex yeah, Petrasso that's fair. That's fair. gives you offense and defense. Yes. That's all I'm saying is 100%. that he's a two-way guy. He's not an offensive guy. Yeah. That's I think the way the, I'm the trying dialogue. to coin the term, I guess. Yes. Yeah, the That's dialogue term say. here is you're using shutdown defensemen. Where what we need is two way defensemen. You guys, you we need, need guys that we need six guys who can own... play defense, not uh, yeah. four guys who know how to play defense and two guys who are basically wingers playing defense. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, and I mean fair. Tyson Berry fits that mold as an offensive guy, mm-hmm. and that's what he brings. That's all he brings. And I hope I'm wrong at, at the <laughs> at the expense of defense, and that's what scares me about Tyson Berry. Yeah, I hear, man. I hear a lot of like old boys fans saying, "Let's just outscore them. Let's let's do what Toronto's doing. We'll win. We'll win seven six, man. Get Grant Fear suited up. We'll be good to go." <laughs> we don't have a Freddie Anderson to try to help that though. Too, really. Yeah, they, even if he you gets ripped work, out so. there too. Man. I don't like you give a give him to us, dude. I'll take him all day. Oh yeah, oh my <laughs> god. Okay. Of course, yes, please. <laughs> There's easy, the problem easy. answered right there. <laughs> you guys take Smith. We'll take Anderson. And you're you guys have Koskinen and Smith. I don't even care. Exactly. That's, that's, well, I think that might be that might be Freddie Anderson's problem. He didn't have a backup, so maybe not both. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. So we'll give him just Koskinen because I don't want to have four point five on my backup. <laughs> Man, you're such a Koskinen hater, but I agree the contract. I am. I just, man, I, we're not going to get into this, man. Koskinen's significantly the better goalie, but okay, that's, and we're ending it there. He's the um, better of the two. He's the better option of the two right now. Yes. Yeah, but like, okay, I still just you. don't like him. Yeah, I know you don't. Um, okay, we've got five minutes left. Can we talk about Vegas? Like, I'm not going to lie. They are getting really close to getting into my top three most hated teams. Like, they come into the league, and this isn't even on the fans, because I know like all their fans get get defensive and they're like, "Nah, you, you rip on us because you don't know." Like, you're more, we're more or less a lot of fans are ripping on them for not being like long term fans, and I'm not going to do that because they haven't had a team. But how dare you? You come into the league, you absolutely just pillage the league for, for great players in your expansion draft, and like props to them. But then it's just every off season they're like, "Yeah, we're just going to add like another impact player, even though we have no cap space." And we're just going to upgrade on positions year over year over year. I'm like, how dare you? And to top it all off, you sign Petrangelo, bring him into our division, and you don't even trade Schmidt out of division. You give him to Vancouver for nothing. Like, what? 
I'm I hate that team, man. They're they're pissing me off straight up. I just I can't do it. That's my rant. I don't know oh. if you guys are in the same boat as me, but fuck fuck Vegas. I don't hate Vegas. I I'm laughing at Vegas. You should love this, John, if you hate Vegas. Because now they've got a bunch of dudes who are over 30 making like eight, nine mil a year. So in about two seasons, we're just gonna have this super old, basically Chicago Blackhawks ripoff, or but way less way less offensive. So this is gonna be fine for me. I'm I'm okay with them having like Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty at 34 or whatever when the, by the time their contract's freaking up. Like, I don't know, man. Vegas is still like don't 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 bank on Vegas too much. They're spending all this money in the top end of the D and their forwards that they're losing depth, and that's how you win championships. They prove that. I think they're so deep still. Shitload of depth for right now. They're still so deep. You like that? Those issues you bring up are going to come up in like a year, two, three years. But like right now, I man, I think they're a juggernaut in my opinion. I'm definitely upset about the the whole Schmidt deal because if you had told me all I had to do to get Nate Schmidt was give a third round pick. I would do yes. that every single day of the week. Are you kidding me? We were just talking. Uh, the literal <laughs> conversation we just had was we don't need offensive defensemen. We need really strong two-way defensemen. You know who is that? Nate freaking Schmidt. Uh, and all like, it costs you is a third-round exactly. freaking pick. You're right, oh, man. You're right. Like, like that's such that that's chump change. Chump change. I throw not to bring it back to video games. I throw picks away like they're nothing, especially those late round picks. Get them out of here. Like, come on. <laughs> One third for oh. Schmidt. Man, my whole viewpoint on trading draft picks is unless it's a first round pick, trade away. I don't care because these guys don't. What are the chances you're going to get much showing up to the NHL after this first round? It's you get the odd outlier, like but you don't get much. Chance. Yeah. Of them playing or of them being like an impact player? Of them, you can find like, the, of them having legitimate that. NHL careers. Yeah. Like, okay. I think that's they, the only they thing about Vegas. The bar is, at like the 200 games. And Vegas did it to themselves yeah. because by of, signing 12% of third rounders. By signing but, of 200 games? Let Michael uh, go, boys. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, by signing Petrangelo, like they they did it to themselves, right? They had to lose Schmidt and so they they had to and they were willing to take you know, like the lowest offer or whatever. And it happened from Vancouver and it just, it could have gone anywhere. And, and I, Schmidt's going to look good on Vancouver, especially. And they were scrambling because they had just lost Tanev. And, like, and that was the thing is Vancouver in the Pacific was getting ripped on as having one of the worst off seasons. They lose Tanev, they lose Markstrom, they bring in Holby, exactly, and they lose to Foley. And then it's just like, oh, cool, we were patient for like two weeks. Yeah, sure, we'll take we'll take Nate Schmidt for literally nothing and just help exactly. this off season actually be a positive. It's, it's so like that's Van- so annoying. Vancouver's gonna they might be going under undergo quite the facelift here because like I've heard Brock Besser's name popping up a bunch in like trade rumors and stuff, and I'm like. That if the Oilers could get him, sign me up. But like, man, I don't think there's any way they trade him to us. But I didn't think Nate Schmidt would go to Vancouver either. So that's a yeah. So (laughs) I don't know. I'm not too worried about Vegas. Vegas, you're right, has like two more years of being high end competitive. But like, I don't know. They still got there's another shoe to drop there. There's Flurry's gonna go and they'll have to get rid of another like Carlson or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, they they seem to just kind of make the moves first and then figure out the cap second. So it's like, they're always scrambling. And I know like one of the things a lot of analysts were talking about was just like how much issue that could potentially cause in your locker room. Right. Where it's like, these guys have built this team, been a core. And then it's just like, Oh, this new shiny free agent, we'll bring him in and send this leader out in H Schmidt, Right. So we'll see if, I mean, that could have an impact. Everybody thought San Jose was going to be absolutely dominant when they got Eric Carlson and we all know how that worked out, like literally immediately they turned into a bottom of the division team. So, but we are out of time for today. So let's, uh, let's wrap it up here, but thank you very much for listening to another episode of the oil country podcast presented by the hockey podcast network. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you to Dobco for joining us and uh, we will see you guys and talk to you guys next week.